podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome everyone to this week's, this new special edition of ESSR Central. I am the first time host for this, for this show for myself, the big dog, Alan McLucas, and this week we are going to talk about all things that can happen across the world in the world of wrestling. So, before we go into all that, we'll just get some housekeeping out of the way. Please remember you can follow us on Suplex Retweet on social media, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're also on uh, all good podcasting sites such as iTunes, Spotify and loads of other. I like Podbean, it's a good one actually. And lastly, you can also find us on YouTube as well as Suplex Retweet. We've got loads of other content on there. Great back catalogue and there's also going to be a new show coming up in the new year once Auntie Nick lets us all out. Bohemian Grapsody, you'll find out more later on. But first, before we go into the show, I need to discuss this week's panel. And, well, I didn't get a great panel, let's put it <laughs> So first up, when this man marries his fiance, he's going to be a beautiful bride. It's the future Mr. Daniel Brogan. Well, shame I didn't get time to update the graphic on this to reflect <laughs> the introduction, Alan, but... Yes, uh, I soon will be Mr. or Mrs. Daniel uh, Daniel Brogan, rather. That's going to be confusing to be the same. It's a tongue twister. Dude, we're meant to do the show easy, okay? <laughs> well, I try, I try. Okay. Next up, my next panellist. Well, she... How did I put this brightly? She's absolutely shite at Fortnite. It's Pamela Brogan. <laughs> It's actually Mr. Pamela Campbell to you, and at least I can turn the game on. <laughs> the game's shite, I'm sorry, who cares? <laughs> How you doing, Paul? You alright? People that can't play it. Yeah, I'm a COD player. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing anyway? You alright? Yeah, not bad, excited to come on. First one, isn't it? Well, yeah, well, thank you very much for coming on. Well, we finally have our reigning and defending 365 champion on the show. Yes, but yet, I don't see the title. She hiding it. Auntie Nick has taken it away for <laughs> safekeeping. <laughs> Fair enough. It feels like there's so many people that might edit their own computers that see me on this show, so I didn't want to rub anything else in and salt in the wind. Fair enough. And my last panellist, you think being called 44 was a cool thing? Like, Agent 44 from Hitman. Not with this guy. All he'll hit you with is his shite patter. It's Scott McLeod. Don't know, shit, but if you're going to insult me, get it right. It's Agent 47. Thank you very much. From Hitman. Uh, <laughs> I know that. I just wanted to see you pick up. How are you doing anyway? I'm a massive nerd. <laughs> I know so, man. Look at me. <laughs> so, moving swiftly on, there's a reason I went to Scott last, because Scott is the start of my favourite country in the world, Scotland. And this has been a phenomenal week for Scotland. It's been- Scotland, you bastard! Scotland! Scotland! Perfectly said by the boys from Bernstein. And just to explain why, I am a member of the Tartan Army. My Tartan Army foot soldier. There you go, that's my Tartan. Tartan Army travelling group, Wester. And basically, we're going to the Euros. First time we're qualified since 1998 for a tournament. Cannot wait. Already booked for Wembley. Cannot wait, this is going to be so good. But away from the football for a moment, it's just been fantastic because we've had the Scotland rugby team beat Italy in the Six Nations. As well as that, Tom Stoltman was the runner-up and the world's strongest man. And the most important reason why I'm bringing up Scotland and bringing it back to the wrestling is because Scotland has a two-time WWE champion, Drew McIntyre. So, I'm over the moon that he's champion. I'm going to start with you, Scott. What's your thoughts on him becoming the WWE champion? Considering he only lost it very recently. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. Like, I wasn't expecting it to happen, even though, like, the Toxins matching was, like, I've done more to build a match between Buddy Drew and Roman rather than Randy and Roman, which was accurate. And I don't know why. I actually didn't watch the match. I knew he'd won it. I know just uh, before we recorded, I've seen the clip of him coming out with the sword 
and that uh, which according to Gary Cassidy belongs to Vince McMahon. So, as Vince McMahon saw that apparently Stephanie and Triple H bought him on a trip to Scotland, and so he let Drew use it for his entrance. So the more you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to. Th- it's a very cool entrance, though. Is. I'm happy to see him win the belt back, obviously. Uh, like For ages we didn't know if we were going to get a Scottish world champion, now we've got a two-time world champion. And it just seems weird, it just seems like an excuse to stay, give Orton another title win, because we know he said he wants to also tie uh, Flair's record and potentially break the record, so it kind of feels that's the whole reason he won the belt in the first place. Kind of like when Cena got his 16th win only to lose it two weeks later, but I actually think uh, a Drew, a Drew Roman match is actually the best possibility we could get for Survivor Series because they've faced each other in the past, they've had good matches and before we move on to our other panellists, I've got a wee fact here that was actually given to me by Ross, a fellow fact here, apparently this is the third time in a row that there's been a WWE Champion versus Universal Champion match announced for Survivor Series and this is the third straight time the title changed hands before we got there. We had AJ beating Jinder in 2017, AJ losing to Brian in 2018, and now here. And also, this is the 15th time Raw, uh, the, the WWE title has changed hands on Raw. Uh, and also, ironically, given that he's going on to face Roman, the last time it changed hands on Raw is when Roman beat Sheamus in 2015. The last time the WWE title changed hands on Raw. It's quite an interesting fact. Um, in regards to, obviously, you mentioned there, that Roman and Drew is now the match. I'm going to come to yourself, Pam. Do you feel that the WWE have put themselves in a position where they've got two top guys and neither one can really afford to lose? Yeah, I think sometimes, I mean, we've seen it in the past, haven't we, with it, where you've got your two sort of top WWE performers going head-to-head, and obviously it's a, a Survivor Series, and I was the same as Scott. I was quite shocked to see so soon that Drew won back the title. I thought it was going to be quite a long process of a, like a, a down phase and how he'd lost it after such a build-up and obviously with WrestleMania not being the same this year because of COVID, it was... He, he still felt the atmosphere even watching at home, even though it was an empty audience, but you know how big it would have been if it had been in front of an arena full of people. And when he lost the title, it was just that kind of come down of oh my god it's like <laughs> it feels like we've just watched them win it and now it's been ripped away and now it's been given back so it feels like there's something more to it going on storyline wise but with him and Roman going against each other I think it'll make for an interesting head to head because obviously both of them are big guys kind of you know the same look they're approach in their WWE careers and what their goals are and things and the people that they face so it's a lot to gain and a lot to lose I would say in the match for both of them however it decides to swing but it'll be interesting to see who walks out victorious I think No absolutely um, I mean I'm quite shocked I, I could see Bowman going over uh, Orton quite easily but Dan do you feel now that that's not going to be the case when it comes to Drew or Roman's going to go for Drew or do you think it's going to go the other way and Drew's going to go for Roman? I'm going to be honest, I think with the way it's looking, they're going to book it into a... it's not going to be a clean finish either way. My gut feeling is uh, it's, there's going to be some sort of interference, maybe Jay or so, maybe uh, whoever they wish to challenge Drew next. Pardon me. I think if they... The way it was going, because if you look at the last few years, like Scott was mentioning, when they had um, like heel champions going against each other originally, I think it was originally meant to be Jinder and uh, Lesnar. They switched it out, made it uh, AJ and Lesnar. Then a year later, they made it Brian and Lesnar. Uh, amazingly, this year, none of them involved Lesnar, but uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> of course, of course, you're happy with that. Um, when it comes to this one, it, it is going to be a slugfest. We know that, but I don't see there being a clean finish. What if they do? It's going to be like, oh, uh, like maybe Roman gets disqualified because Roman ended up resorting to desperate actions. But there's not going to be a definite winner. For sure, it's going to be screwed. Yeah, I think it's going to look controversial. You know how you've seen matches in the past where it's like um, 
like someone's been pinned but they've actually like tapped out just before the third count and it's not been counting things like that and then it builds over into say like a six month period of back and forth because it's like no I should have won that I should have won that I think it's definitely go I think you're right I think it's going to go like that um and I think it's just going to kind of create that ripple effect and turn into something much bigger and then who knows it could be a rematch denying it could be a total 180 with the title like you just don't know at this point but I think it will definitely be quite messy <laughs> I'll just come to Scott just to finish it off do you think it's going to be a clean finish or do you agree with Dan and Pat it's going to be uh, there's going to be something shifty at the end of it no I think you're better off like having one the one bit by like nefarious means than just having like a DQ finish I think given the fact he's got Paul Heyman and Jey Uso and potentially Orton trying to get involved you know, to get retribution uh, on win for taking the belt and like continue that feud, presumably. I think Drew has like a visual thing after like a Claymore with some sort of distraction. Roman can add, maybe don't even do the thing he did to Jey Uso, like the pin, but he kicks out while doing kind of a low blow kind of thing. But I think Roman has to win it more than Drew. I think even if it was Orton, Roman would still win. But honestly, now that's true, I think he can win it more heelishly and less clean now that he's going against an actual babyface. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, personally, I'm hoping for Drew to win, but mm-hmm. I can only see Drew winning. I can agree with Pam and Dan. I don't, it has to be a screw for anything. I can see Jerry Show getting involved, but or Orton, as they've said, but I don't know, but it's going to be an absolute cracking match. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I can't remember the last time I was that excited for a champion versus champion match. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I know that everyone else is. But we're going to move on, speaking about WWE. And other than that, there's been a fair amount of negativity around WWE this week. Um, so the first thing I think we'll discuss is Zelina Vega has been fired, partly because of breach of contract due to her OnlyFans account and her Twitch account. Um, Dan, you're the, the most... You're the person I know that knows the most about these sort of things. Not only fans, but like with Twitch and <laughs> third party. <laughs> third party, no. Let go, Alan. Do you know something I don't? <laughs> For nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> you can get the best feedback from me. He knows that um, we're going to fund the wedding. You used to damn Russia. No, but go on. So, in terms of what's happened, so as many, many will be aware now, obviously WWE released an edict to any talents who had uh, Twitch, Mixer, any kind of streaming accounts to say shut them down. Now, this involves this, of course, affects a number of people: um, AJ Styles, Cesaro, Adam Cole. Uh, I'm not going to do hot and sing. Uh, it affects a large number of people. Uh, and there's been two that have been very vocal in opposing it, and that has been Zelina Vega and Paige. Now, Paige is, as, is, as of the time of recording, still continuing to stream well under her contract. She's just doing everything under her real name, Soraya. Zelina, on the other hand, um, obviously had to shut down the stream, but was still looking for a way to be able to connect with her community. So she decided to open up an OnlyFans account to release uh, cosplay photoshoots, I believe, and still find some way of being able to get in touch with everyone. Uh, but WWE deemed this as breach of contract and decided to sack her for this. Which, it's causing uproar, particularly with a tweet that Zelina had put out around the same time saying, I support unionization. And it's a growing sentiment. Apparently now also the Screen Actors Guild has chimed in as saying that they're backing her. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scott, what's your thought on that then? I mean, she's not... I know WWE's always had this zero tolerance policy towards nudity, uh, but she's not doing anything nude. There's nothing pornographic about it. But how, how do you feel that she's been treated as a result of this? Yeah, I mean, she specified like what how, the boundaries of what she was going to be doing this, and like not about using like their WWE names as many of the people using Twitch were. She even says like she's like done cosplay in that for years, and she has like a name that she goes by. Like Megan Minx, I think was the name, use it, and that's what she was using as her name on OnlyFans. So it's not as if she was using her WRB name to profit off of this. But again, like I've, we discussed this, I think a few weeks ago on Central, like how this will affect the deal, because like that's not a uh, outlet that was discussed originally. It was mainly Cameo and Twitch, and just it's kind of weird. Like I think she apparently got wind that she was going to get fired, 
So before our meeting with WWE, she tweeted at the unionization thing, and I think a lot of people misconstrued that as she tweeted that out and then it was instantly fired, which, you know, we a lot of people probably went past, went past WWE, but it's not really how it happened. It's a shame she left. I thought she was going to be, she seems to be a main feature on WWE TV. I thought she was still going to be part of, like, the women's team at Survivor Series for SmackDown. And also, like, if it, if it leads to, like, a step in helping, like, the unionization talk that a lot of people had recently, then it's probably a good thing and she can have a, a part in that. And I think whether she chooses to stay in OnlyFans and Twitch and not wrestle, she'll be fine if she chooses to go back to wrestling, which she'll probably have the usual 90-day no-compete thing. I think I have an idea where she'll go next, but I'll wait and late till later on because I think it ties into another story that we're going to talk about. But uh, it's, it's, I think she'll be fine wherever she does. Like One th- question I think we should have is what happens with uh, with Alistair Black? Also, we know that they're, they're married. I think Alistair Black is not in the best books of the company because he tried to go back to NXT. He was turned down. And then he's not appeared on SmackDown, much to Grant and the draft's uh, dismay. Because it just feels like Black is just being wasted right now. I think if these stories about NXT are true, I think it goes to show why he's not appearing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just moved on to that next point. Carefully. I mean, Pam, what, what, do you think that what Scott says to they're, they're really sticking a knife in to Alistair Black because of Selena? Or do you think there's other background politics involved? Because it has been said he hasn't been on television for some time now. Yeah, I think it's. I think it could be a mixture of both. I think we've seen it for a long time in WWE, and I feel like now more than ever, it's really highlighted the cracks in the company because of like say AEW starting up in the last couple of years, and um, you see all these other promotions that are taking off, and it almost feels like before in wrestling, people would view. WWE is the be all and end all. It was the place to get to and the place to stay, not to ever cross wires, don't leave. If you left, it was like you were blackballed and you wouldn't ever wrestle again. And we've seen that from people who like have left the company and never really gone wrestling again, not really went too far because of it. And I think other, these other promotions have kind of brought to light the fact that there is scope and somewhere else for them to go and still have a career. So it's definitely showing the cracks in WWE and I think people are starting to see that they're not as loyal to everyone as people once thought. So definitely it feels like guilty by association with Alistair Black. Um, but like you've said, he's not been on TV for so long and Scott raised the point as well. They're just they're not utilising him, he's got no storyline, there's nothing nothing going on with him and one of the examples I always look back to is I felt like that a few years ago when it came to like Bray Wyatt and that phase between the Wyatt family and him establishing his own thing. And he was one of the ones that just felt as if he was there and he knew he was there and he was lingering, but there was no push for him, there was no real character build up, there was nothing really going on. And it kind of became the thing when that happened, it was you felt as if they were going to be disposable and dropped in a hat and it's like, well, You've got nothing to you, you're not bringing us in money, nobody's really bothered, so off you go. And it kind of feels that way about Alistair Black as well, and I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword for him because he's already in that position and now everything that's going on with Zelina. It's like, where, where do we go from here? Like, Are they going to put him back on TV when they've got all this going on in the background with her? Are they going to just kind of quietly ask him to consider walking away from it and not make it anything too chaotic? But it's such a shame because he's so talented and everybody loves to watch him. He's so huge. And I think it'd be a real shame to see him go. And it's it's already tragic enough what's going on now publicly, but kind of backstage with Selena. So I think he's caught, caught between a rock and a hard place at this point. He's don't think there's an easy way out of it. And I don't think it's very clear what's going to happen with him either. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I mean, a question I would put to yourself, Dan. We've seen that since Miro left WWE for AEW, Lana's pretty much been going through a table every week. 
and WWE has this reputation of treating you know, people, employees who maybe have a partner or they've been a tag team partner or whatever, where somebody is left to go into elsewhere, treat them pretty poorly. Do you feel this in the long term is going to really affect WWE? Because it looks like AEW seems to be a lot more tolerant and more open to their performers actually having these sort of accounts. So could we see a big swing in talent thinking, do I want to go and work for WWE? Or, and potentially, no, I could be a big star, but I can't have any free will. Or maybe go AEW, or maybe a mid-carder, but I've got the free will in the world. I mean, do you think that's a possibility? It's a definite possibility now, given the like the landscape, particularly with these issues, thanks to thanks to the Twitch situation. I mean, Miro has said in some streams, he basically has freedom to do whatever he wants, and other wrestlers are even being given similar offers. Like some have contracts where they can work in other promotions while being under contract to AEW. They have freedom to do whatever they desire. Uh, he did say that um, as far as he and Lana are aware, Lana is actually not, Lana's not receiving any punishment from what they're saying. But there is word going about that the plan is Naya puts Lana through all these tables and then at Survivor Series Lana will put Naya through a table. There's all these, this is this apparently is what is going to happen. If that is the case, bring it. Yeah, Lana's uh, going to be the last woman standing as well. That's apparently an order in what's going about. The end of I want to see that. So they are, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's an interesting thought. I think uh, WWE, if they don't play this right, they're going to be in real trouble in the future because I can see a lot of talent just think, screw this, I'm done. I'm going elsewhere. Because as it's, it's the last couple of years have shown, independent wrestling's pouring so much that it's shown WWE it's not the be all and end all anymore of professional I think, wrestling. I think as well, um, I think in particular the way the women's division evolved a lot of people are like right WWE like they're really keeping up with current times and what's going on and things but I think now people are like I mean I might just be talking for myself but I'm like I mean you've progressed from where you were but have you progressed enough like are you capable of keeping with the way everything else is going and like you said obviously is a lot more tolerant and the way they're working is totally different. So I think I think WWE's on a bit of a ticking time bomb and slowly they're going from the popular network and the only network really to be a part of to now becoming the the small fish in a big pond and a lot of people are just like, I'll just pay my money elsewhere and go and watch wrestling, do you know what I mean? Especially with so many talent moving. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, I totally agree with And then... Um, you know, it's something I think they, they totally need to look at this. They're going to be in big, big trouble. Yeah. But as you mentioned, they're ticking time bomb. Chelsea Green finally makes a SmackDown debut and breaks her wrist again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, I'll come to you that. Do you think this girl is just cursed? She just doesn't have any luck when it comes to performing? I think so, yeah. I think it's time to look that way. She, she said she was out for a while. Uh, in, in NXT with a wrist injury which happened actually during a dark match not even televised it was a dark match and then she comes back and gets this push with the Robert Stone thing and then that ends for no reason and then she makes a debut and from what I heard there was a point where she actually almost won that four way where it was like going to be like a triple threat and Liv Morgan wins it and then somebody recommended Vince you know we've got Chelsea Green we can use for we want an extra body when it's a four way Chelsea's going to win the match Chelsea gets injured during the match. Okay, let's just go back to our original fence. Let's go over. So that's how quickly things change in WWE. As we didn't know that already, but it kind of sucks because yeah, like it would have been weird to see her represent SmackDown when she's just showing up. Because we just thought that like, why are you having the draft a month before Survivor Series? Defending this brand, you've barely been on. So that would have been another kind of thing in that direction. But it just kind of sucks for because then she's missed out on an opportunity to be on a big four pay per view. And one of the featured mm-hmm. matches. Yeah, because like speaking of hard European big pay per views, then she got a shot in the rumble, and it was a huge buzz about her. But yeah. it's just not happened for her, has it? It is one of these like stop and start things. Like it's even the same with um, like they had a few people show up during that rumble where they got like kind of biggish pops. Like like Tony Storm also got a bigger pop because she had just competed the night before at Worlds Collide. Um, with Chelsea coming out, it was. 
I, it was something different because everyone's just like, ooh, like, you know, the, the wallop in that portion in the credit was just like, oh, it's like Raider's girlfriend, like, you know, just giving that very kind of nonchalant look to it. But it was like, as someone who's gone through, like, she went through uh, Impact and then made her way slowly up the ranks, and now she's been in NXT, she's been working her ass off for ages. Setbacks happen, and this is just another one. I my I do worry that maybe it's going to be a bit like Tegan Knox, where unfortunately injuries happen uh-huh. because you know, like like Tegan, both of them are bloody talented, and I would love to see them go on to bigger things and you know, brilliant matches. But you know, just ho- hopefully she gets better soon, and you know, she can be back, probably ready to go around the Rumble time. Hopefully, though. Mm-hmm. Fam, I'm going to you next. Do you think she has a future after she's recovered from this injury? I mean, I think there's always potential for everyone. And like Daniel said, like she has got the talent, and it's there. It's just, it's it's the cards against, it, isn't it, with the injuries and and things like that moving forward. But I think it's like anything. If you're going to make it, you've got to have the good, good writing and the storylines behind you, and have that character built up and really go with it. Um, and push her, you know, like you, you can work as hard and hard and hard as you want, but unfortunately, the decision does lie with other people, and you've got to get them rallied behind you for them to push you forward. So, there's definitely potential there, and she definitely can. So, I'm hopeful that once she recovers and she comes back, she gets a real stab at it, and I think, I think she can be one of one of the best going forward for getting some good pay-per-views, maybe some title runs and things like that, um, but it'd be good to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think I think everyone wants a speedy recovery, and I do hope, you know, things improve, because I'm a, I'm a fan of it, and I want to see her actually go out there and show that she's worth her salt, and I hope it happens. Um, so just before we start talking about WWE, there's one part of WWE that I feel that this week especially we have to discuss, and it has been sadly 15 years since the great Eddie Guerrero passed. Um, this might come as a shock. Growing up at the time, I didn't see the whole Eddie being a star thing. It, it just it was like, I couldn't see him as a world champion sort of thing. Until a few nights ago, I couldn't sleep up through the middle of the night and I sat and I rewatched. I watched the WWE Network's uh, program. I've got them so three and a half hours of all his greatest matches. And I was blown away and like, why did I not see this growing up? I mean, Dan, I'll come to you. I know you're a, a big fan of Eddie. Mm. What do you think is he was, probably my one of the WWE title, was his defining moment in his career? Like, winning that title was the defining moment. Particularly, the main thing I remember was the SmackDown after, where he walked in as champion, Pyro going off balloons everywhere. That's where you get that shot in the the tribute packages. They always play of Eddie Seth, like stands in there holding the title. Like you can see him welling up, just enjoying the emotion of it. And you look at everything that he did in his career, like going from like starting out, like learning to wrestle with the family, the the wrestling ring in the backyard, which is just one of the best stories I love to hear. There's a story I can't mind if it's Hector or another one of the brothers who says like they would just feel a drop kick and just go. <laughs> Who was that? And it's little like young Eddie, and they're just like, oh, Eddie, usual. Um, there was, I, I do remember as well the, uh, it was one of the greatest promos he ever did because they got shared about on Twitter the other week. It was his addiction promo before No Way Out, where Lesnar had used Eddie's past as an addict, and Eddie just went, "You're right, I am an addict. I'm addicted to this. <laughs> I am addicted to coming out here, hearing those people cheer my name." I am addicted to being able to inflict pain on my opponents. You know what? I am addicted to the delay I'm going to get when I kick your ass. Like, it was promos like that. You just... Eddie had you in the palm of his hands. There was no other way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, Pat, this is a, different, this is a moment stand out for yourself, Eddie. I mean, I'll be honest, I was like you, so I've always watched WWE from very young. It was my dad and my brother that were proper into it and I always grew up as a, oh my god, but we're really hurting each other, <laughs> um, until I obviously grew up and understood. Um, but I think the standout moment for me, because 
I didn't grow up watching him, so I've really watched the highlights of his career. Is that when you're talking about that title um, winning them coming out on SmackDown and that whole little would you call it a speech? Yeah, it's pro. Yeah, it's pro. Yeah. Um, for me, kind of just you could feel it. You could feel <laughs> the passion in him, and you could feel that it was his complete not utter life was his career and how dedicated he was to it and. I think that's one of the things that makes it so tragic when you think about obviously what happened to him and how long it's been because you just know he'd have been one of the greats that would have still been kicking about and coming back for his odd turn up and things like that so um, I would say that stand out to me personally because I wasn't a massive watch of Eddie but I've watched these, the highlights of his career, and that's the one that always sticks in my mind, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Encyclopedia Scott, I'll come to yourself. <laughs> I mean, there's no much in wrestling you don't know. I mean, what, what's your favourite moment? I think for me, as someone who especially, growing up, I remember mid-2000s, Smackdown Sky on Sky on a Saturday, with Eddie being part of the famous Smackdown 6, you know, I think for me, like mid-2003 to mid-2004 is for me, one of the peak times in his career, like his first ever US champion, you know, weird thing with Big Show and the spike burrito aside, like he somehow made that work. <laughs> he and Chavo had a, had a rivalry, which I mentioned on uh, the Family Feud episode, one of Michael Cole's best, like most underrated calls is when Chavo has a chance to help Eddie Guerrero from a beatdown, he just stands there and just watches it and Michael Cole's just yelling, for, Chavo, for God's sake, he's your uncle, help him! He's yelling <laughs> And then he had this match at the Rumble, and then he wins the title. And a moment I remember for all the wrong reasons, mainly because I've got the DVD of it, the uh, infamous, like, all the blood that he lost at, at Judgment Day. No, and yeah. It was horrible. And I remember a lot of people were talking about the anniversary of the the Dominic uh, ladder match a few a few months ago. And I just remember mm-hmm. thinking, like, we all like to joke about the ridiculousness of the idea of fighting over a child in a ladder match rather than a <laughs> You guys think like they had good matches in that feud even before the dominant thing was brought into it, and you guys think two lesser wrestlers, this is nothing. But Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero just managed to make something like chicken salad out of chicken shit. Is the uh, is the famous <laughs> expression? And I think that's just again that's just the thing that sums up Eddie. Like anything you can make Bruce Pritchard anything work. Like I like, apparently I think Corden likes of Bruce Pritchard. He hated originally the lie cheat steal gimmick he was given. He thought it was like. The fact he was of Hispanic origin, he was thought he was he thought it was slightly racist to be going about that, but he went out there and they made it work. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I mean, my favorite—I don't have an exact favorite moment, but the thing I do like, like looking at and thinking back was his time when he was paired with China. He made being a wee kind of creepy sleaze funny and kind of cool when he's like, "Ah, oh, Mama Sita, ah, oh, you look so beautiful, <laughs> you're like." <laughs> I'm just like, take notes for next time I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know? He's giving me the textbook here if I get in trouble. So yeah, that's that's my favourite. But um, you know, God rest his soul, what an absolute legend. And I, 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 I mean, I think pretty much everyone, our generation kind of wishes they got the chance to see him live. Mm. I think he'd have been phenomenal. So on that point, we're going to talk, move on to AEW now. And we're going to start with the big news that... Someone I hold in the kind of the same regard as Eddie, Kenny Omega, is going to be entering the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. So I'll quickly you, Scott, on this one. Uh, do you think he's worth it? Do you think he's deserved it? Like, it's easy to talk about Kenny Omega potentially being overrated. I think some of us on the podcast have talked about it and the idea of all oh, this many stars in the Tokyo Dome and all that. But given how uh, how highly regarded Kenny is, especially within the realms of the Observer, you know, we'll talk about six stars, odd matches he keeps getting. I think given like the parameters that Dave Meltzer has in the, the Observer for the Hall of Fame, it's, it would hard, it'd be weirder if he didn't go in. I almost forgot mm-hmm. that they ever had a Hall of Fame, but when you really think about it, like jokes aside about five stars and all that, and the Tokyo Dome jokes, he is one of the best wrestlers going today. Some people may think he's overhyped. That's your opinion if he, if you think so. But like again, I think it is well deserved given that he's one of the most talked about wrestlers not in WWE of like the, this current era. 
Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, Dan, he's, he's such a phenomenal wrestler, and it kind of makes it kind of shocking. Like Scott said, it's, it's kind of weird that he's not already in it, but it's, it's kind of shocking that he's not in it. He's not just taking this long from three to enter. I mean, it was shocking for me at first when I actually heard Wrestling Observer Newsletter have a Hall of Fame. <laughs> but um, admittedly, I wasn't familiar with that. I'll, I'll hold my hands up. You know, I didn't know. Um, but when it comes to uh, the, like, you look back at his back catalogue, you can't deny the talent he's had. You look at everything he's gone through from, like, New Japan, from his um, his tag team, I think, was it with Ibushi his tag team was? Might be wrong on that mm-hmm. one. Um, going to, you know, when he reinvented himself, became the cleaner, uh, everything going into AEW, I mean, hell, he, he breaks his nose um, during a, a, the, one of the first AEW pay-per-views and, you know, thanks to the audience, just like, I think I need to go to the hospital now. <laughs> but, you know, he's great for everything. I mean, obviously, Meltzer, we know, um, you know, it, you know, Omega always gets a raise out of him in a few different ways, so the star ratings go high as well as something else. But yes, um... Belts are just like Omega is a match. Like, he's he's the sort of wrestler you would want in your dream matches. My all-time dream match. If I could take performers from different generations, Kenny Omega versus Shawn Michaels. Tell me that will not draw money. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'd pay you that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's fantastic. He's in. And he, des- and he does deserve it and plus I think as well for maybe fans that aren't maybe especially like in Japan that maybe aren't quite into the wrestling wrestling like WWE or AEW it's going to certainly put a spotlight on AEW it's certainly going to help them and it's just going to grow their, their product so I think it's it's great for him but it's also great for AEW because it's put more eyes on what they're offering and mm-hmm. you know, Kenny's really turned up I'd say, in the, especially in the last sort of two or three months, he's really turned up because his he's later tag matches with Hangman were sensational. I thought, and then his actual match against Hangman, uh, uh, full gear, was just out of this world. Just absolutely class for me, and he's more than deserving to go in the mapping. Um, so, the next point in the AEW I was going to discuss it's a shame it's not happening during our current draft situation, guys, Dan. You could be in for big points here. Oh, it's good. It could be, but it's not going to happen then. Because it'll be after Survivor Series. Um, Moxley Omega. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Do you think this is it? Moxley's going to drop? <laughs> like, I get the feel, Like, we're coming up to nearly a year of Moxley as champion. And, like, in terms of opponents they've got lined up from right now that I could see going into the world title picture just, like, slotting in so easily, Omega's certainly the most viable, like, to take the title off him. And plus... I want I want to see what AEW would look like with you know the cleaner as AEW world champion because I think they they could open up so much. I mean, you just look back as well at the the match he had with Sunny Kiss, the face he pulled as he pinned him, <laughs> just sat there like you know hits um shit, what's 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 the what's um, what's his finisher called again? Blanked on me there. One winged angel. One winged angel. So he hits yeah. one winged angel and just sits there just. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> it's that face, isn't it? It's that face you see it. Yeah, he's just like that re school brat. He's just he's done his homework like five seconds and he's like that that really <laughs> I mean it's, it's the face you make when you go follow the map on Fortnite. <laughs> I just followed the dot that says Pamela la la <laughs> Because I can't really read the map. I just find it too confusing. So that's why I just follow Pamela la la la. I'm just looking above me, that reference sails over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you caught my deliberate mistake of 44. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but Scott, I'm going to come to you on this. Um, when we were on Central a couple of weeks ago, I was discussing this with Stephen, and I'm, at that point, it was going to be going to Revolution, it'll be around the one year mark. Is it kind of sad that this match is not actually going to happen? Round about the anniversary of the first match at one of the big four pay per views. Uh, I don't. I don't really think it is. I'll explain in a second. But I don't want to talk too much about the draft because I know this isn't Saturday Draft Live. But 
Uh, if I'm correct, uh, uh, the, the season seven of the draft will actually begin the 30th of November, so the November second match will be part of the draft. It's just a case of Dan may not have John Moxley on his team. I think you'll have to be quick depending on what placement you get there, Dan. So you need to be quick to, if you want to get John Moxley or Kenny Omega, depending who I'm you think is I'm not in the win. next season, so it's no, it's no skin off my nose. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> so, much to, so much to think about. But with regards to this match, I don't think it's that bad because AEW only does four pay-per-views a year, and so you need to do big matches on pay-per-view. And so I think it's a matter of time before they change the title on TV. Because, like, WWE's done it, we talked about it earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, there was some speculation that Moxley would lose to Kenny on this episode because this is in December and then January, big show in Japan, Wrestle Kingdom, John Moxley's still their US champion. Uh, so I thought, oh, is this going to free him up to then go to Japan? And apparently, that might, uh, apparently has nothing to do with placing this match. Apparently, Tony Khan decided to do it on this specific episode, but I still wouldn't put it past him to have um, a Kenny win. I think Kenny's the most likely to win the title from Moxley and I think then you can build to the rematch at Revolution and from there it'll probably be Kenny Hangman mm-hmm. I mean yeah probably uh, after, as you said yeah, other than Kenny and then maybe Hangman there really isn't anyone else out there to take that title off Moxley is there? I mean Lance just tried and failed Cody can't go for the title I think you've got you've got Pac there but I think He's been gone away, so they need to build him back up again. Yeah. And also he's got that feud with uh, with Kingston and that, and fighting over the custody of the Lucha Brothers. <laughs> yep, looking forward to that. I you spell know, another we... ladder match. I spell another ladder <laughs> match. <laughs> we should you to Eddie there. <laughs> um, so we'll move on and talk about the last part. Now, I'm not going to... I hadn't actually heard of this. Jade Cargill, I didn't know who she was. But I've done a wee bit of reading about her, and it turns out she's quite an athlete, and apparently this is quite a coup for for AEW, because obviously we've previously spoken all across this podcast that AEW's women's division is severely lacking. Uh, I'll open this up to you. Could she be the catalyst that opens up the women's division? I'd say it's more... Sorry, it's going to go on. uh, well, I was going to say, I don't know much about her, so I can't say yes or no, but I think I think she would be a welcome addition if she is kind of a, a coup, like, and definitely she can cut a hell of a promo, as we saw in that segment with, with Cody. I'm just not so sure about what she was basically revealing about what's going to happen in the future. Was mm-hmm. Shaq coming in to, like, what's Shaq? Cody? Like, is this really what Cody's doing now that he's dropped the TNT belt? And then she had that awkward thing with Brandy, because Brandy is often so well-spoken in her promos now, despite what some people may think of her. And then she just comes out cutting this promo on, like, anything she usually does, she's like, oh, hell no. Like, don't you talk to Cody like that. And I'm like, Brandy, what, what are you doing? Shrimp, and I quote, ghetto. Oh, no. I believe that is what they're saying nowadays, yes. Yeah. I mean... We sound so that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But that, I mean, have you seen much of Jake Cargill at all? Or uh, much no, of I haven't. The, the promo was the first I saw of her. The, <laughs> I don't know what to expect. She certainly had a presence, you know, when she came out, the way she carried herself. You know, I can give up, I can give points to that straight off the bat. The concern I have going forward with AEW, as, as always, is the booking of their women's division. If you look at, if you look at, it's, well, this is the way I look at it. Right now, particularly in America, there are three companies that are actually doing you know some solid stuff right now. WWE, AEW, and Impact. WWE, like Impact, I would argue, has by far the strongest women's division right now. They have been knocking out some great stuff with their women lately, something that we'll get into in a little while. But then WWE, they're very stop and start right now. Particularly when it comes to like, you know, how they want to make these angles go on when they're trying to bring people in, switching stuff out. AEW, on the last few pay-per-views, they've put championship matches for women on the buy-in. Now, I can understand having a big match to make people pay attention to the buy-in, but I would say as a rule of thumb, never make it a title match, because that's a spot that, in my mind, should go on the main card, always. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I said, I said, I knew very little of her, so I did have like two minutes today of working to do a bit of research into her. So she is a fitness model, but she has a reputation for being a hell of a basketball player, hence why Jack was there, Shaq is 
pushing her with Tony Khan and Cody build your division around this one. She will make your division stronger. She's got a presence, like you've been mentioned. She's got attitude. She can cut a promo. I think it could be a stroke of genius. I mean, going back to you know, the women's revolution in WWE, I I didn't really know who Becky Lynch was. I didn't really know who Becky, uh, Sasha or Bailey was. The only one I knew was Charlotte Peel because of who her father was. So, and to me, Becky's the strong. It's my personal favourite, and to me, she is the strongest out of the four. But every one of them has been hugely successful elsewhere, so it could end up being something similar to that, I think. Possibly a stroke of genius. Who knows? Time will, time will tell. But as you've previously mentioned, Dan, we're going to move on to Impact. And Impact just recently had one of their big pay-per-views, Turning Point. And with Turning Point, there was a couple of title changes. Uh, so I'm going to open this up to you. Considering, you know, Bound for Glory wasn't that long ago, I was quite surprised two of the titles that were won at Bound for Glory changed a month later. Like that angle, Not really. <laughs> like, it's... So, going into Bound for Glory, Diona Perazzo was the Knockouts champion, doing okay. some very good work with the championship. Then, uh, they dropped it. I think it was originally meant to be um, Kylie Ray. Mm-hmm. And as as we know now, um, Kylie Ray is taking a hiatus from wrestling, potentially retired. So uh, they drafted in Rosemary, and I get the feeling Rosemary, Rosemary being champion was just intended to be a short term thing. Just from how it's being presented, it did lead to some brilliant segments, including um, the one where it was like, um, what's her face? So uh, Dion and Jordan Grace are like talking to like the lawyers, trying to sort some stuff out. And someone uploaded it on Instagram as the many faces of Diona Perazzo and as all the different expressions she pulled during the thing. It was just, it was just like you know, the shades on, you know, just like, you know, just it was like a very, very like funny collection of the photos. And then the match itself, a turning point, couple of couple of ingenious spots like Rosemary going to use the red mist and Diona preventing it using a red canvas, not the red canvas, just a, a blank painting canvas, which she then proceeds to you know smash over Rosemary's head because. Impact. So, yeah, <laughs> terrible, terrible jokes galore here. Um, now, nah, I, I should clarify that terrible jokes from me, brilliant jokes from her. Oh, yeah, that's sick. <laughs> no, Scott, no, no, she, no, she's just correct. Um, <laughs> I, I know my place, uh, but I just, I feel like if they were gonna try and sort something out, Rosemary title should have held out a bit longer. Like, it just felt too too short. It was a bit like Cena winning the title at the Rumble years ago and then dropping it like weeks later. It just felt the same. Mm. I mean, do you feel the same, Scott? Because obviously, as I said, the, the Knockouts Championship changed stand, but also the Good Brothers won the tag team titles considering the, the North had just won it a couple of weeks earlier. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think it was a bit of a waste on those, title, those titles potentially only being with those people for a couple of weeks? I think, uh, not to be pedantic, but it was actually Sue Young uh, sorry, that uh, won the title. And I think part of the reason she only won the belt at Rivergo is because the idea of like she's the surprise opponent. So if the, the surprise comes out yeah, and yeah. loses, then it's kind of flat. So then I think they just swapped it back to Dionna by making her look smart with the paint canvas and everything. And then put it back on. I thought she's some safer option. Put it back on Dionna, who's doing fantastic work. It's in fact a good chance. I'm not entirely disappointed about this. and. And the thing with the tag belts is it's weird because, yeah, the North won in a four-way match to also involve the Good Brothers, only for the Good Brothers to win it here, which, uh, yeah, I do think the idea of, like, just put it on the, the Good Brothers to begin with it would be a smarter choice. Uh, I think, like, because they, they had to take them off the... I don't know if the plan was always to take them off the machine guns because Alex Shelley got taken out of the match before it started at Bound for Glory because, I think, of a legit injury. And so... Uh, that gave a good excuse for the machine for the more steady machine guns. I'm getting, I'm getting mixed up between machine guns, the machine gun Carl Anderson, machine guns, the tag team looking. But Impact don't have a shortage of like good tag teams. They've got a great like tag division. So I don't see what the harm in it would be. Just have uh, Good Brothers win rematch at turning point with uh, the North. It doesn't really changes other than it's a retention rather than a title change. Uh, it is a weird booking decision because. It was a bit. It was a matter of time before the Good Brothers won those belts. The minute they came in, 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's a piece of an entry there. Um, with Alex Shelley being out, Chris saving being a new tag team, and it was the cowboy James Storm <laughs> teaming with him. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened. This happened, I think, back in 2009 when Bobby Roode injured his arm and he took over uh, for him and retained the tag team titles. I mean, do you think that's a potential as long as Shelley's out that they have a chance of potentially going after the titles? Wouldn't be, wouldn't be against it. I did like they did the whole like tease when Bobby Roode and some used to do the beer, money, but anyway, instead it was Storm going beer and uh, Sam went guns. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm fine with this makeshift team for a while because Shelley's going to be out, I think, 60 weeks or something like that. He might be back yeah. in time for the January show, Hard to Kill. Uh, but he's out for a while. I think it's actually a foot injury he's got. Some people thought that he was a neck injury because he got taken out with a pile driver and then he quote-tweeted someone saying that, saying, yes, the pile driver was so bad it hurt my foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. You learn something every day. Yeah. <laughs> right, it seemed like a decent pay-per-view but one of the major, major talking points that came out of Turning Point was the Knockouts Tag Team Championship Tournament they're bringing back the Knockouts Tag Team titles I mean what's your thoughts on this you feel that there's a couple stand out already do you think that could potentially take it or do you think it's potentially somebody we're not really keeping on keeping an eye on somebody hiding under the radar I say Drake Maverick's relationship's not going that well. They haven't consummated the marriage, and he's actually just going to work in Impact. So um, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I think I think it's between three teams to potentially win this. You've got mm-hmm. uh, Havoc and Nevaeh, Gear Hogan and Tasha Seals. They've been kind of the two main uh, like women's like teams. So I think oh, this has been in the works for a while. You've also got a uh, tie of Valkyrie and Rosemary. I think are a potential team to win this as well. And like one of the big stories going on this tournament is Jordan Grace and teaming with the formidable TB to be announced. Because uh, the story with her is she can't find a, a tag partner, like someone you can get along with. Uh, I think either that either they're gonna bring someone new in or it might be maybe Sue Young, because Sue Young did randomly retweet a uh, uh, gra- the uh, the graphic showing the the tournament bracket, so maybe she'll mm-hmm. be a surprise partner. Like what I was saying earlier is uh, Selena Vega when she was in uh, TNA originally back in like 2011 won the Knockouts Tag Team Titles with the uh, she was Rosita with uh, Sarita, who was portrayed by a wrist woman called uh, Sarah Stott, who was I think a trainer in WWE for a while, who got fur- released in the original like batch of releases early this year. So potentially mm-hmm. once. Uh, Selena Vega's 90 Days runs out. Like I've seen other people talk about this online. Is that a possibility she and Rosita get back together, return to Impact Wrestling, go after the, the Knockouts tag titles? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I mean, I think going to what I've read as well, I've seen some similar as well, and I think that is probably a more likely destination. I don't really see Selena going into AEW. I mean, I would be opposed to it. I'd be quite happy if she went, but I think Impact's a more natural fit for her. I mean, what do you think, Dan? Do you think that that's potentially the case? I'd say potentially what might happen is, because I think Impact are shooting not far from AEW, I might be wrong on that one. Probably am. Uh, but I get the feeling if like, if Alistair leaves as well, I can see him going to AEW, and I can see Zelina going to Impact. That's just the vibe I'm getting off of this. Because Zelina now has obviously... Her name is... She's gotten herself. She had herself in quite a major position in WWE. Of course, the partnership with Andrade was fantastic at first, and then the main roster happened. And then, uh, what she'd been doing recently, kind of solo, like she was showing that she was a fantastic worker. Like I would have loved to have seen it, you know, go as far. Like I mean, hell, in in another world, you could even have uh, Zelina and Andrade versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. That could potentially have been a thing. But of course, now. We know it's not happening. Uh, I would say if she does return to Impact, you know, Bowman put her the good use. No, absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot of, looking at the actual, you know, tag title tournament, there's a lot of really good uh, participants in it. And uh, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm just kind of swaying to those drugs and grace. I just don't allow her. That's just where my money would be, I think. She's potentially hurting TBA, whoever it is, or most likely to win the titles. But we shall see. 
So that's just us with impact. So we're just going to move on to one last, one second last point. Sorry, I'm about to speak. This sorry, it's been such a long day. <sighs> there has now been announced a new season of the Dark Side of the Ring, and Brian Pillman is one of the names that's been mentioned. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to sit and watch these, but I know, like yourself, Scott, you have. I mean, what what are you looking forward to with this? Uh, I think it goes to show with like the like, first season had six episodes and second had ten. Apparently, this is having fourteen episodes. So I think it's going to show the growing faith that Vice is having in the guys behind the the show. I think they said a lot of interviews have been shot. So I think it's a case of like the pandemic might not really fully stand in the way of a. Uh, of us getting to see this very soon, and uh, I was watching an interview with the creators. That's where I brought this, the story up. Uh, they, they announced, they mentioned three episodes that they're going to do because these ones had already been leaked, so people knew about them already. Brian Pillman, uh, who also died way too young, uh, the radio story uh, episode about Chase Nate Roberts and his family. Also, there's a lot of uh, darkness in his family. Who you watched Beyond the Mat, and yeah. also the one I'm actually most interested in is a uh, WCW Collision in Korea. Which uh, mm. is one of the weird, one of the few shows that WB owns that's not on the network. Because, like, it's, a, it's probably, I think it was part of the WCW video library, which WCW, which WB owns now that they've owned WCW. And they've never thought of the need to put it on the network, obviously, because I think we know how things go over in bloody Korea. Also, like, even after it happened, VHS, like, and DVD release of it was very rare. So, it's actually, because it's become such a rarity to view, it's one of the, Kind of become one of those things that people are, myself included, are quite fascinated in. So I want to see what else they do. And it's, it's, you know, some people would say, oh, 14 episodes is too much, but I think we know as, as fans, like, there are way, there are so many stories they could still do that they've yet even, yet to even touch with the first two seasons of Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, I mean, I remember Beyond the Light came out and, I was only about maybe 12, 13 time and it was more about, oh, because we didn't really understand what wrestling was. We're like, we're going to get to see their real names, we're going to get to see what they love, what they like. And then you start to realise that's not what this was about. And this was about the dark, literally the dark side of wrestling and and how it can be quite a vicious and vile place. Dan, do you think, obviously, this does a very, very good job in highlighting that? I mean, is there any, obviously we've, we've heard there's going to be a few they are mentioned and the one, the Collision Career is the one I'm really interested in because that's actually the highest attended wrestling show in history yeah, um, probably but it's, <laughs> well, it was <laughs> about 155,000 over two a night, over two nights, so 310,000 overall, I'm just wondering is there anyone that you're hoping to see come up in this season that hasn't been on yet? What do you mean more in terms of like appearing in interviews or as a topic of discussion? As a topic of discussion. Hmm. I'll be honest, I think there probably even could be scope for some more things with the runnings of WCW as a subject because I think I actually would love to see a story on Jim Heard because Jim Heard was someone who had no wrestling background, got brought in to run WCW and thought, hey, Let's get Ric Flair to cut his hair and rename himself Spartacus. Put himself in Roman gladiator armor, and that will sell. And what happened? The Nature Boy went to WWF. You know, he knew nothing. I think that would be an interesting one to hear, like how things kind of, you know, the sort of decline they're at. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Great American Bash that year, uh, Luger's in the main event, and the audience are just chanting for Ric Flair the entire time. It, they turned on the pay-per-view very badly. Uh, I'm trying to think in terms of other stories. Like, I can't really say Eddie Guerrero because they covered him a fair bit on the Chris Benoit part of that they did. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, just heartbreaking even still just to watch that. Uh, but I would like to hear more on maybe like sort of dark, like really darker stories because we got like the murder of Bruiser Brody. Um, yeah, yeah, like we watched that together and it was just it was horrifying to even watch and then sure enough they, they like I was thinking about it again when I uh, learned that he was actually Undertaker's first professional wrestling opponent but that was mm-hmm. um, the story going that the only reason uh, Percy Pringle was there was just to tell him where the ramp was <laughs> fair enough uh, Scott I'll just pass it back to yourself and if there's one for you feel free to jump in 
Is there anyone you're kind of hoping to see, or any topic you're hoping to see discussed this season? I, have, I was thinking a few while, while Daniel was, was naming his, and I just always said, though, that same interview that I was watching with the creators of Dark Tower, and they talked a lot about the Bruiser Brody episode. They even said that at one point before this was even the idea of this being a series was announced, was they were originally going to do a one off documentary about Bruiser Brody, because the creators mm-hmm. apparently said the more they found out about the circumstances around it, and you see how. As, you know, as shown in the episode, like how the more fascinated they became about it, mm. and so you can see there that they're quite passionate about that. But I was thinking of a, of a few. Uh, I'm pretty sure I heard a lot of people talking about it. I don't know if the creators themselves mentioned it, but surely, at some point, they need to talk about Hogan. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have talked about doing an episode on Hulk Hogan. You know, not just because of like what happened in 2015 with that scandal, but like there are a lot of stories <laughs> about Hogan over the years. Yeah, I think. You know, there's a thing I'm, like, it's, it's, I don't like saying this, but it's sadly true. Given like they're doing Brian Pillman and they've done other similar, but like there are far too many stories about wrestlers dying young that they can do that. I think one of them is British Bulldog. They need, I'd like to see an episode mm-hmm. on him. And mm-hmm. we're we'll trying maybe go on the lighter side of it. Like, uh, well, I've got two actually. One's lighter, one's not so light. I'll start with the not so light one. I don't know how they would be able to do this. Like, if the big W might put a stop to it, but the steroid trial, because mm-hmm. uh, like they did a lot about Owen Hart. Owen Hart, if they didn't make the radio message right, so I don't see how much more damage the steroid episode would do. And being a bit later, I want to see an episode like fully talk about the shenanigans on like plane ride from hell. Yeah, the more yeah, the more stories. That'd be fascinating. Oh, oh, oh Brock Lesnar got out and nearly took down the plane. Ric Flair is flashed and he still like them. Michael Hayes tried to pee on Linda McMahon, just like, like I need to know yeah. more, I need stories about this. Yeah, because I, I think that was, um, what was it, it was Quiz Show then 2, I brought that in as one of the questions, it was, um, I fight the flash and fire. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm surprised none of the answers was, what happened on Alan Stagdew? <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure I said that, I think, or something similar to that. Hey, what happens on Amsterdam stays in Amsterdam. Unless it's Dick in the trap, call him. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he's got a friend who lives in Amsterdam who then tells everyone out of Amsterdam. What a friend who just talks to just tells anyone. And before we go into any more trouble, we'll move on to our final topic here. And Ring of Honor have just announced over the last couple of days they're going to host a pay-per-view this year. Final battle on December 18th, but they've been really cryptic with their message as they've not announced anyone on the card. At that, anyway, at this point in time, that I can see, I mean, guys, is, is there anyone you're hoping to see there at all, or someone you think you may come back? Because the wording's very, very cryptic. You expect maybe some returns? I think, I think they're not announcing anything because I don't know if they're sure. Like who they're, who's going to be available because I know they've only just recently started doing tapings again. Uh, they brought back the, the pure wrestling title, uh, which, which I think is a, a great move. I'll, I'll admit I'm not I've not kept up with much Ring of Honor, but I did see recently that EC3, despite coming back to Impact for a brief angle with Moose, is a fit, I think contractually is now signing with uh, with Impact, sorry with uh, with Ring of Honor. So I like I think EC3 is going to be in a big part of that of that card. I'd like to see him in there. Uh, I heard rumours that Brody King is somebody who they're heavily pushing to be the world champion. I'm sure he'll do well again. Don't know that much about what's going on in the current storylines, but again, it's interesting because Jonathan Gresham is both the tag team champion and the pure champion. So, like, if we can get him defending that belt against his tag partner Jay Lethal, I'd be happy to see that. But again, I don't know what they're going to do. What about yourself, Dan? Dan, is anyone you? You guys are hoping to see? <clears throat> I'll confess myself not too familiar with modern. Uh, Ring of Honor. The only thing I would just hope is that, you know, in line with, you know, most other promotions that are now starting back their shows, everyone is safe. You know, mm-hmm. get through the show, have fun, and just, you know, entertain any audience that they may have and, like, in attendance, and just, you know, everyone gets out of it absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like they're keeping things quite um, low key, so it's a build up for. Not necessarily like a big surprise that everybody's going to be blown away or anything like that, but just obviously with COVID and things like that, um, bringing it back. I think they're trying to keep a wee bit of 
hush hush about it and ring everybody in to see what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I think it'll mm-hmm. make for a good watch. Um, I quite like that we're currently a month out exactly, um, and there's still very little known about it. So we'll see what mm-hmm. unfolds over the next four weeks with it, and then maybe nothing at all. Who knows? But um, mm-hmm. it'll be a good watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I hope one of these. This is one of these occasions where social media doesn't ruin it, or there has going to be some major surprises. Um, personally, just because of the theme for me this week, I'm hoping Joe Henry makes an appearance. But with him being in lockdown with us at the moment, at uh, that point, um, it's highly. I, I would highly likely think he's going to be there because we apparently will be out of lockdown a week by that point. So I don't see it happen. But you never know. Maybe Auntie Nick will change her mind. Maybe. And or on... might get caught on route to the airport and somebody will grass him in and then he's definitely not going. Talk <laughs> <Cockney>. me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Well, I think on that note, I think we'll wrap up there. Uh, I just want to thank my panel, Scott McLeod. Thank you. Daniel Campbell. Oh, sorry, Daniel Brogan. The pleasure is all yours. <laughs> and Pamela Campbell, our special guest. <laughs> I'm the big dog arm Lucas. Thank you very much for watching. Take care, stay safe. Hello, I am the GOAT David Campbell and I would like to invite you, the listener, to my new show over at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets YouTube channel. And that show is The Conspiracy Theory, where once a month I will be taking a look at all the rumours and speculation in the world of professional wrestling and giving the most important opinion on the matter. My opinion. Yes, that's right. Head over to Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Like, share and subscribe where you'll get a lot of other great content over there, such as the new hit show, Quiz Showdown. But don't forget, check out my new show, The Conspiracy Theory, on Suplex Retweet's YouTube channel. Farewell, friends. Sports Social Podcast Network.